Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Happy Sunday, everyone, and thank you for joining me tonight for the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm your host for the evening. My name is Joan Kelly Walker. I usually sit in a co-host chair, but Laura Bellotta couldn't make it today. Laura, of course, as you all know and love, is a matchmaker and founder of singleinthecity.ca. We have a really, really incredible show today. This is perhaps one of the most important shows I think we've ever done. We're going to be talking about money and relationships with a very special guest, Danielle Corcoran, who's going to give us insight into how couples can successfully navigate finances. So welcome, Danielle. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So you're a money coach. Now, to be honest, this is not a term that I'm really familiar with, and I know that some of our listeners may not be either. Can you explain to us what is a money coach and when would people seek your services? Sure. Well, a money coach is more about working with people around their behaviors and their relationship with money. So, for example, I'm not a financial advisor, so I don't sell life insurance, I don't sell mutual funds or any kind of investments. We're, but we still kind of overlap a little bit in what we're doing is really looking at what your behaviors are and if they're serving you. And we want to make sure that if you want, you want to improve your relationship with money. And what I mean by relationship with money is that you are feeling confident about your finances. You know, you're, you're doing things that are, are working towards your goals and you have a good positive money mindset. So that's, it's more about behaviors. Safe uh, than you know really actual money, uh, but we do absolutely do money strategies, right? We do work on looking at how we can get out of debt, or you know those kinds of strategies and, and what works and what doesn't work, and we find out you know maybe what's not working for you and find some new ways to try some new things. Right. Okay. Well, that's amazing. Uh, so, so money and relationships. I mean, this is a really big topic and the source of a lot of joy and a lot of aggravation for, you know, depending on your situation. So, you know, I think the big question is, how do you communicate about money within your relationship and communicate with your partner to avoid that stress? And that's what we'll be talking tonight, uh, you know, discussing the money talk and when to have it. So how can you effectively communicate about finances with your partner and what financial stress is really all about? I know you just uh, sort of touched on it a little bit. Sure. So communication, I mean, has always been an issue right, in relationships yeah. at the end of the day. And money is just something that even adds to that to that a little bit because money has been a taboo topic. We, You know, in different generations, we haven't been... You know, a lot of generations in the past have been very private, very hidden, you know, especially with their children around finances. And this can lead to the continuation of that. Now, the good news is is um, millennial generation, for example, is a great uh, generation in the fact that they are speaking more out about money. They are sharing their salaries. You know, it's not so private as much anymore. And I think that's fantastic. So for communication, it should be helping improve it. So I think it's got to be gradual. And as you know, the earlier you start having money, you know, just basic conversations early on, the more you start getting comfortable as your relationship progresses. Now, if you're currently married and in a relationship and struggling with it, 
there are def- definitely lots of different ideas and tips to help that communication. And everybody is different and everybody's situation is different. But one thing I like to recommend is just having a monthly date night, but a money date night. So maybe mm-hmm. those you could go out for a glass of wine and dinner or, you know, just get away from the house and go out on a picnic or something. The first, say, 20 minutes or half hour could be talking about what happened this month with our money? Like, what did we do good? And, you know, what didn't go so well? And how can we improve them? And how, how much closer to our goals are we this month? And just sharing, like, it's just really about sharing what feels good and what doesn't without the fear of resentment and, and shame, right? Like, that's what ultimately you, you want to be able to share without the fear of that. And the more those conversations happen, the less that fear of shame and embarrassment and, and uh you know, just those things will, will be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's great if you're in a relationship and you are communicating well and you're getting along. But if if you just started dating someone, at what point do you start to disclose, like, here's how much money I make, here's my spending hat? Like, like when is the best time to start all that? Because, like, that's a really important thing for people that are just getting to know each other. Exactly. And again, there's never going to be any one right or wrong answer because everybody is so different in their behaviors with money and their their, uh, confidence around money. So it's really going to depend on each person. But when you think about it, money becomes an issue right off the bat. Like the first date is who pays the bill. So that can become your almost your first money talk, if you want, is how do we how do we avoid that awkward at the end of the date when the bill comes, right? So when you ask somebody out on a date, maybe you put, you include, oh, my treat, you know, I'd like to take you out, or it's my treat, or, or you know, if person is accepting the, uh, a date request, they might say, you know, um, should we go half these on it, or should, you know, maybe I'll get it this time and you can get it the next time, or, you know, it just really, it's just kind of sharing a little bit openness or showing that you're open to the conversation and the earlier you do that the better when it comes to sharing salaries and and all that kind of stuff you know it you're it will guide you but I think as you start moving to the next level where it becomes maybe exclusive you know maybe though you know that would be a good time to start a little bit more about you know your I wouldn't jump on tax bracket, like I said, on first date, right? Like you want to, the timing is important, but you want to just kind of ease in. And there's many different questions you can ask somebody, you know, as you're easing into a relationship to get to know them that can actually give you good uh, information about their financial habits and their financial health early on without actually having to ask them about money. But I would say when it comes to debt or student loan debt or uh, salaries and so on, you know, I would probably wait till that when you're in more of an exclusive uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, a lot of people hold those cards really close to their heart because it is very personal and kind of embarrassing, I guess, for people if they do have debt and, you know, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to disclose it. They don't want to, you know, not be, uh, not be putting their best self forward, but they've got this thing that they have to talk about. Uh, so you work with clients who are ready to make some changes and to take charge of their money situation so that they can have and enjoy financial freedom. Do you think that it's important to start get, getting track of your own finances on a personal level first before you start, uh, you know, 
co-mingling your money with someone else? And does that actually, as an individual, affect your mental health? So I believe that any time is the right time to get on track with your finances. And when you make that commitment to yourself, you're putting your best self forward when it comes to your finances. So if you're struggling with debt or you're just not really into, you know, you're, you're not able to save, for example, you're not reaching maybe some goals, look, look into yourself, whether it's before relationship or during, but take, you know, take action and look do a deeper dive into why you're feeling the way you are, why you're in the situation you are, what's important to you, what's your values, what do you want for your future, even on your own, like not even in a relationship, like what's important to you when it comes to money? Do you, you know, want to retire early at 40 and, you know, travel the world or, you know, what are your goals? And once you kind of understand yourself a little bit more and you, and you get on track of, because if you are in debt and you have these goals, whether you're in a relationship or not, that should be a goal, right? To mm. out of debt. So you want to you want to really be good with yourself and your own relationship with money. And when you when that feels good, then that's when the conversations will get easier. When you're feeling more confident about your own situation. So, as far as getting on track early and having um, everything worked out beforehand, I mean, there's no rhyme or reason. We meet people every day. You know, you may not be able to do it when you meet somebody. Uh, we may not have, like, the time to say, oh, okay, I have to get my finances first and then I'll meet somebody. I mean, we meet people every day. We don't know when we're going to meet that person. So I would I would say definitely make a commitment to yourself on improving your own financial health and your own financial um, uh, relationship. But if you're if you're not and you're with somebody, it's you can still start then as well. And Danielle, what about the mental health aspect? So mental health and financial stress are very closely related, and their symptoms for, of mental health issues can also be that of financial stress and financial uh, uh, stressful situations. So if you are stressing about money, these symptoms such as losing sleep, uh, having anxiety, depression you know, hopelessness and so on are very common. So when you are working towards uh, your improving your situation with money and, you know, and committing to be, to be, to work on your money habits and your financial health, that mental stress will dissipate, right? Like the financial stress will get easier, which will help your mental health as well. Oh, definitely. We have so much more to talk about money and relationships. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be right back on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, AM 640. Laura Bellotta couldn't be with us tonight. I'm your host for tonight. I'm Joan Kelly Walker with a wonderful guest, Danielle Corcoran. We are having a very important conversation for everyone, no matter what your financial situation. We're discussing finances in relationships and when and how to talk about it. So let's jump back in. So Danielle, before the break, we were talking just a little bit about mental health and debt. 
let's let's talk about debt. You know, it's been an interesting year with COVID and some people losing their jobs, some people relying so heavily on CERB. What should your focus be if you have a lot of debt? So there's different strategies on getting out of debt, but your first, you want to look at why do you want to get out of debt and really understand, like, we, we hear all the time, what's your why, right? What What's your why? What what motivates you to do anything? And debt is no different. So why do we want to get out of debt? Is it because we're feeling stressed? Is it because we're not present with our kids because we're worried about debt? Or it's because we're not getting any sleep because we're worried about debt? We really want to dive deep into, say, why we want to get out of debt. Once you kind of understand the reasoning behind it, that's going to make it a lot easier to stick to the plan of getting out of debt once you once you deal with it or once you decide what you're going to do about it. So when I, a couple works with me or an individual works with me, you know, debt is almost always an issue, especially with COVID. And the goal is just to have a plan and to do the best to stick to it as a money coach. You know, I'm, I'm the accountability partner, like a fitness trainer. I'm checking in. I'm helping you see that you're staying on track and so on. But it's just about when you when you start to go off course maybe and have a bad day and you and you put something on your credit card just not beat yourself up about it and just to get back on track um, but yes covid has definitely put some people in some very difficult situations where going into debt was the only option but know that that's okay but as long as you're committed to making a plan to get out of it and working towards it is the most important part Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, COVID. I mean, this is a prime example of people having loss of income that was completely unexpected. Uh, but, you know, fortunately, we had CERB to help out. But once this is all over, it, how do you protect your income? Like, what advice would you give to someone that, you know, maybe they're an entrepreneur or they're a freelancer? How do they plan for those rainy days or those, you know, bad luck moments where they may not have the income that they expected? Right. So we always hear the rainy day fund. We should all have three to six months of an emergency fund, or I like to call it a swan fund, which is SWAN or sleep well at night fund. And this is, you know, your savings that's set aside every paycheck when you pay yourself a little bit off your paycheck every two weeks, say, for example, or every time you get some money in as an entrepreneur, that you're really prioritizing an emergency fund or, like I said, a swan fund. And this, when, when COVID happened, I used to, I do these wine and wealth every Wednesday night on Facebook. And when COVID happened, it's, people were coming to me going, you told me to have an emergency fund, but I didn't listen. And now I know why we should have an emergency fund where a pandemic was never really on anybody's radar at the time. It's still what is like a reason to have one and people really got it. And I know it's employees number one part of their job in that they don't have one. I know that that's one of the number one reasons uh, or one of the number one things that employees really want to do is have an emergency fund. So with my clients, paying off debt and saving at the same time in an emergency fund is is the first step. And that would take a lot of planning. Like you'd have to really sit down and analyze and be open and and do a lot of planning. And you know what I'm finding? you know, a lot of people lose their financial confidence. Like if they've had, maybe they've made some financial mistakes in the past and they're hesitant going forward. And, you know, COVID has certainly beaten down a lot of people. So, you know, it's that mental health thing again. If they don't have financial confidence, then they, they'd they be really at a loss. So they could 
find someone like you to help get them on track or keep them accountable. Uh, But what other advice would you have for those people so that they can gain their financial confidence again? Well, the first step is knowing exactly where your money goes and exactly what's coming in. Even if you have a variable income, like an entrepreneur that has some months are good and some months are bad, it's still really important to kind of know even on a like average, say for those people, but for most people who are getting a, a biweekly paycheck, you want to really know where that's going. So the first thing I do with my clients is we go through past three months statements, bank statements and credit card statements. And we analyze, you know, the categories, how much are you spending on groceries? How much are you spending on eating out Uber? I mean, who didn't spend money on skip the dishes and, and Uber maybe way more for ordering in during COVID when we were locked at home. So it's about really understanding where your money is going. And that's without that, you can't move forward. We have to know what your habits are, what your patterns are. Then it becomes a lot easier to now put in a put a plan in place so that every dollar you bring in has a place. It's almost like clutter, right? When when we're we have a mess in our house and we don't have the right space for something, it's kind of the same thing. We need to know we need to have a place for the money that comes in ahead of time. If not, it just randomly gets spent. So having a budget, which I don't like budgets. I don't like the word budget. I feel it means restriction. I feel it means dieting, (laughs) you know, like we associate the word budget with not being able to spend money or not being able to have the things that we enjoy. That's not what I do. I, I call my plan a spending plan or an abundance plan. You have an abundance of money that comes in. Even if it's a minimum wage job, you have this abundance of money that comes to you. Now it's your control and your choice on where to put it. And the more debt you have, the less control you have of that decision. So that's Hmm. why getting out of debt is so important because it releases those handcuffs and shackles from your wrists that control you to pay back these lenders. So when you do get out of debt and you do receive this abundance of money, you are now in complete control of what to do with it. You know, I I'm, I'm, was kind of surprised to hear you say you don't like the word budget because I think most people hate the word budget. But I love the way that you said that, abundance, because it's your control, your choice. And even if it's a minimum wage job, you feel empowered if you're in control. So I I really love that way that you analyzed it. So um, let's get back to dating and relationships. And I want to talk about like red flags when it comes to money, because this is really important. Are there things that you think people should be keeping an eye out for when they're discussing their financial situation with a new partner? And what what do you do if it seems like, okay, we got a red flag here? Mm -hmm. So I don't believe that we should judge anyone based on their like habits or you know that they might be in debt or any of that thing like we don't we're not trying to only approve someone based on their financial situation so I'm not I'm not trying to say that somebody should not choose to be with somebody because they might have debt or because they might not be great at the way they spend their money for example but well, what, do you, what if it seems like they're spending outside their means like that to me would be like the biggest red flag but it's so common and it's difficult. Like it's, it's the most difficult thing that people have to do or try to do is live within their means, especially with the economy and housing and all the expenses that we have. If you're making a minimum wage job, then living below your means 
can be very difficult. It's necessary. So it's, it's, but it's something that you can, you can work on together as long as you're both available and open to working on things together. So I don't, I don't think that anything should, like those things should be a red flag. They can be, it can be a topic for conversation and then see how that conversation goes. But the only real like red flags is when it comes to control. So for me, there's two red flags that you want to watch for. I would say one is if they really show controlling issues. So for example, I don't want, I don't like it when my partner works. I, I, they can stay home with the kids and I have the money that comes in or you know, I don't want them, if, if you're getting the impression they don't want you to acquire your own money and, and be able to have your own money and they feel very aggressive towards that, you know, that can be a symptom of domestic violence because there is a term that's called economic abuse by a partner, mm-hmm. you know, there's physical abuse, sexual abuse, uh, and so on, and, and verbal abuse, but there's also economic abuse, which in a report I just read, 99% of domestic violence survivors uh, they said they had experienced economic abuse. So that's like the withholding of finances to control the other person. That's 100% a red flag if you start to feel that. And the other thing, the second one for me is if somebody disrespects you in, in your opinion. Like if they say, well, that's really stupid if you budget or, you know, or you want to get out of debt. Well, everybody's in debt. I don't think that that should be important or whatever they're going to say that feels like your opinion doesn't matter or your um you know, what, what you value doesn't matter. And I mean, values in anything you want to be careful for, not just money, right? You want to have shared values with somebody, but money is the number one cause of divorce. It is the number one reason why people fight. So it is important, but as, as long as those money conversations start early and you feel that that person is wanting to share and wanting to be open and and work on things together, then, you know, regardless of, I mean, almost every relationship, I wouldn't say, well, not every relationship, but many relationships, one person's a spender, one person's a saver, but that's okay. And that can be managed as long as you're both open to it. Hmm. That's interesting because I know people that have been in relationships where they were the spender and there was a constant, like somehow you know, they hadn't turned to someone like you to help manage it. But, you know, it was like a, a constant, uh, like a, a topic yeah, always. Yeah. always. Yeah. And, you know, that would get really exhausting. Um, and there's also the point that there are traditional people out there, like not taking it to, like, I, I know that economic abuse is a, a very valid thing, but sometimes they just want, you know, I'm playing this role, you're doing this role, even if the other person works. Sometimes there's such a financial imbalance between the two that um, it's not, you know, that that also gets kind of delicate because one person seems to have more power if they have a bigger income. How do you deal with that? So that's, I mean, a whole nother show can be talked about how we split our financial responsibility and, and sometimes you know, one person is making more money than the other, or like I said earlier, some maybe some person, one of the partners is going back to school or staying home with the kids. And there can be that feeling of you're giving me an allowance or your, you know, or your money is your money and I'm getting, you know, I don't have my own money. So yes, those are definitely issues. And that person can feel a little bit more in control or feel the right to be more in control of things. Again, it goes back to conversations and openness and wanting you're a partnership, right? You're a team. So in any situation, something happens, 
you know, my, my partner was hurt in a motorcycle accident and he couldn't, you know, work for four months or six months. And I had to, you know, take care of him and get him healed and back to work and those kind of things. So, you know, that's when I have to take care of the responsibilities. And then, you know, and then if I go, you know, I started up my own business. So there was a time when he's being the, the one that's paying for everything. So, you know, there's, there's, there's ebbs and flows, right? Money, money isn't, um, it's just energy and it's neutral. It's not good or bad, but we just want to work together as a team. And again, it's those conversations. You don't want to feel resentment. You don't want to feel shamed or embarrassed about talking about it. It's the number one thing. We have to just talk about it and be open to trying new strategies that work for both parties. Absolutely agree. And I hope your partner is healed and recovered. Uh, but we do have to take a break here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We'll be right back with more talk on money and relationships. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm your host for tonight. I'm Joan Kelly Walker, Laura Bellotta. It's going to be back next week. We have a wonderful guest, Danielle Corcoran, and we're getting right back into our chat on how to effectively communicate about money with your partner. So here we go. Now, Danielle, we have been kind of talking about everything to do with finances. So let's talk about, you know, people who, um, once they've opened a chain of communication about money, about finances, and they've started working on things together, how can you continue to effectively communicate about money? I mean, it's not just, here's the conversation, let's set it up. Is this something that you should be discussing on a regular basis? For sure. You know, again, it's the the more open and the more, the more regular we have these conversations, the more comfortable we feel with it, the less awkward it is, the less fear we have around bringing things up. So there is a study that found uh, 70, I think it was 78% of couples who talk about money every week say they're happy, but couples who only talk about money every few months, only 60% of them said that they were happy and 50% of couples are happy who talk about money even less than that. So there's, there's a correlation to happiness and, and openness and conversations when it comes to finances. And I think the most, one of the most important things is not avoiding having a conversation, not avoiding opening bills, dealing with, you know, we all, we all go through it. There's, you know, people go through sicknesses or they go through maybe a bankruptcy or they go through a loss of a job and COVID, right? Like all of these things happen where we, we have to deal with money issues and it's, you know, it's just part of life and it's about how we deal with them. It's about not avoiding them. Again, like I said earlier, having a money date once a month where you talk about the good and the bad that happened is important, but just keeping things open and, and not just talk about what went wrong. Feeling grateful every day. I love journaling. I feel, you know, when people journal in the mornings or at night, whenever they decide to about what they're grateful for, that can really, you know, help with spending money, for example, or just feeling more, a little bit more content in your current situation and being grateful for the things you have and not the things you don't and not you know, constantly wanting things that you don't have. 
Um, so, you know, I do, I do a lot of mindset exercises. I do, you know, a lot of exercises with couples through my program. So that's one option. If you feel that it's obviously not easy to talk about working with a professional and even a financial advisor, like they do similar things that I do, but not on the level on the behavior side normally, but, you know, a financial advisor about helping you keep on track with your goals or talking about what those goals, because those goals can change over time. So even sharing like your, you know, if something's come up where a goal might shift, you know, Oh, I was thinking about maybe we could, you know, work on a vacation this year. Maybe we should look at putting some money aside for that. What do you think? Right? Like there's just, that's a money conversation. It doesn't have to always be a big inquiry about, our debt and, you know, everything like so, so necessarily negative or it just doesn't have to be a full on inquiry. It can just be simple conversations just to keep, keep the conversations open. Hmm. You know, like I do have regular conversations with my partner about finances, but his level of knowledge like far outreaches mine. So sometimes I feel like he's, spending a lot of energy sort of updating me and bringing me up to speed and trying to include me. Uh, so like financial literacy is another thing. And what happens when there's not a balance within the relationship about financial literacy? Like there's, you know, my partner does all these like high level investments and all this stuff that I really kind of get lost. Like I'm still working on some of the basic stuff. So what advice do you have there? Well, it's interesting you brought that up because, Women are taking more of a role in the home day-to-day financial decisions, but they're actually going backwards. I believe I read in this article about they're they're not going forward with the financial literacy, just like you said, in the investment side. And women are actually uh, proven to be better savers, (laughs) apparently, than men. I can see that. I, I can too. And I believe that it really comes down to choice. Like, do I really want to learn or don't I want to learn? I have too many other things on the go. I'm just going to leave it up to him and let him deal with it on that level. I don't think that that's a great um, space to be in. I can understand it, but I believe that understanding it on a basic level, I mean, you like you don't have to be even on the financial knowledge, but but meet with your advisor once a year together. Like, make sure you're doing those things together. You're not just letting letting them look after it. You want you want to be aware. You want to be included. You want to know because we tend to outlive men. And so, if we're in a relationship with a man and they pass away, whether it's you know early or when you know when we're older then we need to be able to know what to do and where everything is and what, and what those, you know, um, important documents are and, and, and understand them. We want to make sure we have a will. We want to make sure we know what the investments are and where they are and who the advisors are, right? Like there's, there's really a lot of importance for women to be active in the investing side and, and the financial side more than just, um, you know, more than just day-to-day stuff. I mean, it's great, but we want we want to learn more. We should want to learn more. It's just again making it a priority. But I don't. I feel invest like an advisor, a financial advisor on investments, should be someone you would feel like you can have over for a barbecue in the backyard. Like you should have that kind of relationship with your financial advisor, where you're friends with them and they speak to you on a level that you understand without making you feel 
you know, like you're stupid or you just don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Like you should be have that. You and you can interview advisors and get that feel for them and find someone that you want to work with. Right, right. Um, so we're gonna have to take a break soon. But I love that you mentioned like wills and and you know all like what happens if your partner is no longer there or you're no longer there. Um, and there would be a whole other discussion around like how do you track that and where do you put it? Like you know, mm-hmm. do you share your passwords. Like that's really important, isn't it? So that you know, here's all the accounts, here's all the numbers, here's some passwords, here's you know who I'm banking with, who I'm dealing with. So. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, so that's really important. And uh, we can discuss that further, but we're going to have to take a break right now and we'll be right back on the Dating and Relationship Show. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta. From singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back, everyone, to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio AM 640. I'm Joan Kelly Walker. I'm sitting in the host chair tonight. Laura Bellotta will be back next week. We have a really special guest tonight, and we're having a great conversation about money and relationships. We're chatting about financial stress in relationships and how to deal with it. So let's get back to it. So, Danielle, right before the break, we were talking about how important it is in a relationship to have your wills and your documents uh, in the open within your relationship. I mean, these are all very private, important things that need to be kept, uh, you know, very safe and secure. But you need to share that with your partner so that if I get hit by a bus, my husband knows where all my stuff is. But that might be an awkward conversation for some people. What's your advice there? It's often an awkward uh, conversation to have about, you know, what if, right, if uh, a death occurs and we're left holding all the responsibilities and we don't know where anything is or how to avoid that. And it's just so important and it's something that it really just needs to be done. You just kind of really have to, you know, suck it up and go, okay, we need to have this conversation. And because, I mean, something can happen tomorrow, something can happen next week. We just don't know, like in anything. So, it's it's important to know and, and write them down. And, and there's lots of different ways you can do it. You can have a will. And as long as the person knows where, you know, the lawyer is, all of that information can be part of the will, for example. But every time you go to change your password, you're not going to go to your lawyer and pay all this money to update, update that. So there's there's lots of things you can, you can have a, a digital book online and save it in a safe place and that your partner knows where to access that in time of, uh, of need. But it's important to, you know, revisit it on a regular basis. But, the, you know, like my when when my uh, partner's mom died and she just kind of had every she had everything left. But, you know, with the will and everything, but we didn't know her bank account numbers, We you know, and it took so long to kind of get everything organized that it just would have been so much simpler if there was access to the to all that information ahead of time and again it's just it's just one of those things there's there's ways to do it you can search on amazon you can buy books where you can just write them in i do it with my clients one of the last sessions is we go through um we go through a legacy i call it a legacy 
uh, book and we, we just put all of the things, even wishes, like what I want to happen with my money or how I want things to be taken care of. Because if you don't do it, the government gets to decide what happens to everything. Right. Yeah. Then no, we definitely don't want that. Right. Uh, so I'm a parent and uh, I was looking on your Instagram and I found uh, one of your posts that said, stop buying your kids what you didn't have and start teaching them what you never knew. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, it's about what you wish you knew today that you didn't learn when you were a child, right? Or when you were in school. The number one thing I hear from parents is, oh, I wish they would teach money in school. Why don't they teach it in school? And I feel I feel money is a real opportunity uh, as a parent to teach your kids really cool, interesting habits and strategies so early on that when they become an adult, when they move out of the house, go off to, to college or whatever, they'll have such good habits installed if you, if you start early enough. And studies show that kids by the age of seven have already developed money beliefs. And you are the reason of that, the high school, not the, you know, not the schools, but parents are the reason kids start their belief systems to be what they are, right? So that's when we have to challenge our own belief systems. And then we have to look at how do I work with my kids to help them understand the value of money? So allowances are a really good way to, for example, an allowance is a really good way to teach kids about money. They physically have cash. They're physically putting it in maybe at an early age. They're not in the bank account yet. So maybe they put it in a jar, but they've got to divide it. Like say so much is for savings and so much is for sharing and so much is for spending and, and help them, you know, kind of come up with how much percentage should we put towards savings? And if we have a sharing jar, what, what charity would you like to work with? Or who would you like to share that money with? And, and, and just kind of talk about having those, again, it's really it all boils down to if you're having open conversations at home, they're just listening and they're hearing and they're seeing you, right? They're seeing your stress. Mm-hmm. They're seeing your um if you're fighting with your partner, they know, right? They and they they see it and they're absorbing it. So the better we are with our money as parents, and the better our relationship is with money, I should say, uh, is is key in our kids growing up with with better uh, habits. And it's just about what we didn't, what we wish we would have done, right? It's it's teaching, it's figuring out how to teach those kind of strategies to kids. And there's lots and I mean there's mounds of information online and different things that you can do. It's just, you know, overwhelming amounts of information on the internet about anything. So there's lots of things that you can do that are very simple uh, ways to help your kids. Yeah, and, and such a huge help. Okay, so here's another word that most people really don't like and they don't like to talk about, and that is bankruptcy. Uh, <laughs> you know, with COVID and our situation, you know, I think there's been a lot of financial stress on on certainly relationships and, and families. Um, mm-hmm. When is it finally time to say, okay, let's do this, and then how do you recover? We only have a, a little bit of time left. Sure. So I'm, I'm actually a licensed insolvency financial counselor. So when somebody goes through bankruptcy, they go through two sessions with um, with a counselor at the end of bankruptcy. So that's part of my of, of my business as well. And bankruptcy, a lot of times is people really wait too long before they go and they're completely out of options. So one of the first clues for me is if you're in trouble financially is if you can't pay off your credit card bill in full every month. Mm-hmm. Your credit card debt it's a first symptom 
that you're headed for financial difficulties. Yeah. And it's that point when you sit down and go, okay, let's look at why we're carrying so much debt and, and start start doing, start making your finances more of a priority uh, and, and, and do that deep dive in the work that really people are so busy. I get it, right? It's just, we got this, we've got to take our kids here. We've got to run here. We've got to, you know, we're, we're doing all the things, but if we focus on our prior, if we prioritize our money and, and focus on strategies to improve, we will improve, but you gotta, you gotta make that commitment. Right. And Danielle, this has been so informative. Thank you. Uh, But we're out of time. And thank everyone for listening tonight to this episode of the Dating and Relationship Show. As we all know, money can be a very difficult thing to discuss in relationships, but it doesn't have to be a burden. I hope that tonight sheds some insight into this and you'll be able to use Danielle's tips to communicate about finances effectively in the future. So if you'd like to keep the conversation going with us after the show, you can find me on Instagram at Joan Kelly Walker Official or my website is joankellywalker.com. And Danielle, where can people find you? So Facebook and Instagram as well at Danielle underscore Corcoran. Um, and my website is www.thecorcorancoachinggroup.com or daniellecorcoran.com. Both will take you there. And um, yeah, that's my website. And email is danielle at daniellecorcoran.com. Awesome. And if anyone would like Laura Bellotta, she's at the Dating and Relationship Show or on Instagram, official Laura Bellotta. Thank you so much to our technical director, Devon, and we will see you next Sunday for another show. Thanks for joining us.